Okay, so we're going back to Luke chapter 8. We're finishing the chapter today, uh, which is super sad. Because, and I've, I've been slightly rushing, uh, because we're, we're talking about, uh, the, these are episodes in the life of Jesus that, that Luke is like, I have, to, I have to tell you about this. And he tells this crazy story, um, and I, I want us I to connect this. So in chapter 8, uh, we see the, the, that Jesus calms the storm. And so he has total authority over all of creation. So if, if you're worried about floods, fires, and all this kind of stuff, Jesus still has the earth in his hands, the whole world in his hands. We sing that as, li- as little kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. That includes the earth, and he still has, he still has control over it. All of creation, actually. Not just this little, not this little ball. It's like the, the little ball. It's like a little BB in his hand, uh, not this big thing. Anyway, and, and then he con- the next thing he does is he confronts the, the, this uh, guy with 2,000 demons, potentially. Had a lot of demons. And, and he shows himself to have authority over all the demonic realms. Uh, so if the enemy is attacking you in any way, psychologically, spiritually, uh, physically, Jesus has authority over that thing. And he's establishing, and, and that's what Luke is doing. He's going down the line and saying, let me tell you a story about the day Jesus shows that he had authority over creation. Let me show you that he has authority over the demonic realm. And now I want to tell you the most amazing story of all. This is really, uh, it, it, when I read it, you know, since I, when I'm studying, I end up reading over and over and over and over. And at the end of it, I'm like, what can I possibly say today? Except Jesus. And so, I mean, because what Luke does is he's like, this is Jesus in his full humanity. This is Jesus in his full divinity. This is Jesus fully. And so he tells this, he tells us uh, this episode in the life. And, and um, so I'll break it down a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll read and talk. And then I, I don't, you, you can't, you could outline it. And, and this could be two or three weeks because there's two stories in here. But it's like, I just want you to get the story, and I want you to see Jesus. And then I want you to see the response of the, of the people, how they expressed faith in him in, in a way that was desperate beyond all desperation. And we've all been there at some point in our life where we're like, I don't know how this is all going to work out. But if Jesus doesn't show up, I'm not getting the paper. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. So this is what it says. It says, now when Jesus returned, now remember, he just returned from uh, the place where the, the demon-possessed one was. And if you remember from last week, he was, he, they told him, to get away. We don't want you. And so he, he said, no problem. I'm going to the next place. And when he gets to the next place, the crowd welcomed him. So it was opposite. So it says, when Jesus returned, and he returned to Capernaum, this is where this happened, um, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. They're like, ah, oh, Jesus is back. So cool. And then a man, Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. This is a desperate guy. Good Jewish guy, leader of this synagogue, 
Let me tell you about the synagogue. Jesus was thrown out of the synagogue. <laughs> he was the leader of the synagogue that Jesus was thrown out of for healing the man with the withered hand. <laughs> They're like, get out of here. But see, that's the difference between politics and religion and desperation. <laughs> Everybody can have an opinion before you're desperate. <laughs> but the first thing that everyone on the whole earth does when they're really, really, really desperate is they cry out to the God they know is there, but who they've rejected their whole life. And they go, God! Sometimes they curse him. Why are you doing this to me? But more often than not, they're like, if you're really there, will you come to me? And so this guy, who was part of the rejection, he stripped away all of his pomp and circumstance and said, this is a guy that can heal, and my daughter needs healing. And he comes to him. He falls down at his feet. Some, these guys were like, they were like the priestly dudes of, you know, the, the road guys. They don't fall down. You fall down near, near them. Okay, I'll go on. Because his only daughter, a, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, so Jesus like, okay, not a problem. I know you rejected me. I'm on my way. As Jesus is on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. You notice there's a couple 12s in here. Interesting thought, but I won't go into numerology today. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. <laughs> you know, in, in Mark, it's funny the way that the disciples, they're very annoyed at Jesus. <laughs> it's the way they express it. It's like, um, I'm really frustrated that you're trying to get to the bottom of this. But anyway, Jesus says, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came troubling and fell at his feet. They both fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I just pause there for just a minute. Can you imagine Jairus at this moment? His daughter is dying. He's got Jesus' attention, and he's coming to his house. And Jesus stops in the middle of it all and says, hold on a second. I know your daughter's dying. I'm just, this lady, I've got to minister to this lady right now. Now, why do I say that? As you read it, you realize that Jesus is, is it, he's accessible. He's, he, you can interrupt him in the middle, and it's not going to mess with his plans. And, it, and I'm just thinking, Jairus is like, dude, we got to hustle here. My daughter is dying. We got to get moving. We don't have time to minister to anybody else. But Jesus is like, no, I'm going to minister along the way. Because there's someone else that needs you. All right. So, 
While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter's dead. And he's like, Jesus, if you hadn't stopped for this, maybe you would have been there. We weren't far. I don't know. And he said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. And she will be healed. And when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were there wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is like a this is like a healing sandwich. Every time I read this, it's, it's kind of like <laughs> you've got this healing in between this other healing that's about to happen. You know, this was Jairus's day to get God to take care of him, and in the middle of it, he's got this woman. So I want to spend most of the time uh, talking about this woman, but. Um, When we read this, you've got to get into the emotion of the story. It's easy to read our Bibles and go, oh yeah, this poor lady, she's 12 years. Do you know what it's like to be 12 years? Maureen, do you know what it's like to have 12 years of prayer and supplication towards a certain end and go and try and says she and the other gospels says she went to every doctor. She spent all her money. She did everything she could possibly do. And she had nothing left. She was desperate and heard that Jesus was coming to town. And maybe, just maybe. So I want you to catch the emotion of the story rather than just read it as as history. It's like, oh, that's cool. That was nice. Because in our day, the thing that drives us to Jesus is our emotions. We talked about, and or we sang about it today, you know, our, our devotion. Before this feet, the feet of Jesus, a lot of times our, our faith can become unemotional and then we drift. It's when we realize who Jesus is that we stay aimed at who Jesus is, at Jesus, okay? All right, so I just, I just you know, as I read this over and over, I realize, ah, oh, you know, this is serious business. For these guys. Okay, we've got a dying girl. We have a woman at the end of her rope. And then Luke wants us to see Jesus in the middle of it all. In our own lives, the same thing. We have tough times. Jesus in the middle of it, right? Okay, <clears throat> so there's also an interesting thing that Luke does with a contrast here. And I just want to mark it before we go on. We've got this man who is very prominent, and we have a woman who is very outcast. Because if you had an issue of blood then, 
um, and as, a, as a Jewish person, you were not able to go to the synagogue. You weren't even able to touch your own family. You could never have relationships with your husband. If you touched any person, you would make them unclean, and then they wouldn't be able to worship. And so she was an outcast for 12 years, while this other man was prominent and looked upon as like, oh, there's the pastor. Oh, we love our pastor. Uh, pastor Jairus, isn't he awesome? And she was like, oh, yeah, that person is an outcast. So we've got a prominent person. One was rich. One was poor. In the other gospel, it says she had spent everything. She had nothing left. One was honored. One was scorned. Both of them had a 12-year a 12-year situation. One was glorious, 12-year daughter. Ah, oh, I love my daughter for 12 years. One was in pain for 12 years. There's this radical contrast that Luke is drawing here to show that no one's on the outs. It doesn't matter who you are, man, woman, rich, poor, honored, that Jesus is ready for you. I just love that. Luke does such a great job of weaving this story and going, ah, if you only knew how much Jesus wants to get a hold of you. Okay. So, I wanted to, as I was reading this, I'm like, I've got nothing to say. I just want to aim us at Jesus for a minute. Okay. Okay, there you go. So Jesus is presenting, or Luke is presenting Jesus as this incredible healer who's able to touch our lives in a way when there's nothing, when there's no other hope. And I just think in our own life, we have so many other hopes. And we hope that Jesus will bless our hopes. <laughs> You know, it's like, I hope for this. And Jesus, will you bless my hope? <laughs> and a lot of times it's not until we have nothing to rely on except Jesus that we're like, oh, he was the focus all, all this time. And we focus on Jesus. And like he said, all these other things will be added to you when we want all these things added and Jesus to bless our addition. And uh, as I said before, Luke shows that Jesus was available to both. And sometimes we, we wonder, is, is, is Jesus even available? Like right now, you're, you might be struggling with something, and we're like, maybe Jesus is, maybe he's busy. And he's not busy. He's right here, right now. He's accessible. You know, this woman, she somehow got through the crowd but see, that's the hand of God, right? There's this huge crowd, and she makes it. And I like that she comes up behind him. I don't want you to see me. <laughs> you know, that's why Jesus is like, who touched me? You know, it's like I play this game with the kids in the playground a lot of times. It's like, you know, where, you know, where, where, where are you, Karen? Where are you? And they're, and they're fun. And that's what she was doing. She's like, and what, what's interesting is when it says that, that she touched him, she didn't just like, Bink. She got down. She actually got a hold of his robe. 
it, it's, it's the same way in, in John it says that then when Mary saw Jesus at the tomb, that she wouldn't let him go. It wasn't just a touch. He, she grabbed and he felt the power go out of him and also a tug on his robe. Like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And he goes, I know someone touched me. But it wasn't a light touch. She was like, once I get a hold of Jesus, I'm going to really get a hold of him. Okay, I'm not just going to like, oh, nice, thank you, Jesus. And I just think, I don't know, I've read this story so many times that I've, I've meditated on there's something about the passion that just is like, if I can only get a hold of him, then I'll have what I need. Of course, Jesus, Luke shows that Jesus is able. Whatever it is that we're praying about, Jesus is able. He's able. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're, you're, something's going on and you're going, well, I don't know if he can heal me. He's certainly able. Will he? That's the mystery of God, what he's going to do. But the, the point is, it doesn't matter once you get a hold of him. Once you get a hold of him, whatever happens is what happens. <laughs> okay, that, I, I think that's the point of us because we're always like, okay, I, you know, Jesus is going to do this. And, and I'm going to show you, uh, I'm going to talk about your faith in a minute. Um, it was also very personal to Jesus. The way he spoke with these people, when he says daughter to this girl, this, this woman, it was, it was the only time he's ever used, he ever used that language. He was saying, you're my family now. What you've done by getting a hold of me has literally brought you into my family. This is very endearing. It's, it, I mean, it, it, the whole language is just amazing. She's like, I came for something, and I got relationship with Jesus. Okay, we'll go on. And then last, I already said, he was interruptible. Uh, some people think that God is so busy. <laughs> you know, People always say that to me. Pastor, I know you're so busy. You probably don't have... I'm like, I'm as busy as Jesus. <laughs> who's not busy. Now, of course, he can be everywhere at any time, and, um, but always interruptible. The need, the need of the person in front of us is the most important person in the world. Okay. So he says to her, these beautiful things, the woman who was there, she came up and touched the hem of his garment, and immediately her bleeding stopped. And then later, it says, who, Jesus says, who touched me? She didn't, everybody denies it. She finally comes forward, and in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. He's like, tell me your story. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing. Jesus takes the time to listen. So tell me your story. What, what, what was it? And she told the story. She testified in front of everybody. She said, 12 years. I've been an outcast. I've been sick. I've been tired. If you're bleeding for 12 years, you're probably tired. You probably lost a lot of iron on that one. I can't be with my family. I can't be with my com church community. And here, 
I found Jesus. And so Jesus says this. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Now, this brings me to my second thought and point. We don't really understand that faith is faith in Jesus. <laughs> he said, your faith has healed you. And a lot of people, I mean, some churches, like, they're like, you just need more faith. How many need more faith? And Anybody? And need more faith? You don't need more faith. You need more Jesus. <laughs> right? He says, you have faith of a mustard seed. You can move that mountain. You get with me. And that's what happened. It wasn't her faith. It was her trust that Jesus was the one that could do it. It wasn't like she had worked up some emotional thing. It's like, oh, if I just had enough faith and I gathered enough people with faith, then all of a sudden, her faith was, Jesus is the one I've got to get a hold of. And that's always the case. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith is in a person. And it's not just a belief. You know, some people say, oh, you just have blind faith. No, mine is very clear. Jesus. (laughs) Not God, not some ethereal God, not the universe. Jesus. My trust, my belief is in Jesus, who he is, and what he's able to accomplish. Okay. Faith is getting close to him. You want more faith? Just go spend more time with him, you know? Because really, where does it come? When you're far from God, and you're like, I just need to believe more, you, that doesn't really work in your heart, does it? But when you're close to him, when you're crying out to him, like we read in the, the psalm here, when you're crying out, I know you're there, then he shows up, and he reaches his hand down and says, come here, I got you. <clears throat> Faith is getting a hold of him. Faith is trusting him. Now someone will say, well, this one guy says, I I believe. Help my unbelief. He believed in Jesus. (laughs) He needed more. He needed his unbelief was, I know who you are, but I'm not sure who you are. It wasn't like, I just need more faith. And a lot of times, I think, even for Christians, we're like, we're, faith is like this own little entity that we need more of. And it's not. Faith is a conduit by which we connect to Jesus. And all she was doing was, she's like, I got to connect to Jesus. And when she did, Jesus said, your faith is what healed you. It wasn't this ethereal thing that she needed more of. It was that she drove forward till she got a hold of him. And then she, he tells her, I, lo- I love this, go in peace. Twelve years of anxiety, depression, brokenness. And in one second, Jesus says, ah, you got a hold of me. (laughs) Go in peace. 
It's just beautiful. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is <clears throat> a lesson in spiritual reality. I think Luke was trying to express something here to us that we are very natural people. We look at our circumstances and we, go, we look at them naturally and say, okay, what, <laughs> it's like, what do we have to do to fix this? How many are kind of pragmatists as far as problems? Okay, you got, I got a problem. Okay, I got to, got to figure out the solution. We all, we're all this way. <clears throat> but all of us have experienced times in our life where we've come to the end of ourselves like this. It's like there's no solution for my situation. <laughs> Tom and Connie, you're here. You're like, there's a, <laughs> yeah, several times where, we're, you know, it happens to us all. <clears throat> And it's in those times that we find, and even Dean illustrated it here, when on the natural side, it could never happen. But on the spiritual side, it's already, it's already in the works. <laughs> it's already five days ahead. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> right? And, and I think that's what you know, Jesus was expressing as he was going to Jairus' house. He said, no, no, no. Just believe. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't just believe, like, oh, have faith. It was, look to me. When we believe, we believe in Jesus. We believe what he's able to do. And we focus on him and say, ah, there, that's right, I'm locked in. And Jesus was wanting, you know, they said, your daughter's dead. They started the funeral already. They were crying. They're like, ah. And Jesus said, stop it. Stop it. You're looking in the natural. Look to me. Stop. Look at it. Look, look right here. Look at me. <laughs> right? Let me show you the spiritual. And in every one of our lives, there's those things that we're looking at naturally and go, man, this is lost. All is lost. <laughs> and in our natural circumstance, it might actually be. But in the spiritual realm, if we could see it, and we could see how God is orchestrating the future, he's like, I want you to trust me in this future. And I, I, Luke is, is developing this for us because he's showing us, listen, this girl was dead. She really was dead. But Jesus said, no, no, this is how I see it. She's asleep. She was dead. But in the spiritual realm, she was asleep. In fact, they use that term even in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, oh, there's some who asleep because we see them as quite dead. And Jesus says, no, she's asleep. And it said, then the Spirit came back into her when he, when he touched her. And so I, the reason I wanted to say that is I want to encourage us that as we get a hold of Jesus, don't just look at our circumstances. Say, Lord, I know that there's way more behind this because we've all experienced it, maybe tremendous trouble, and then we didn't realize that God had the solution even when it all was lost. There was still more to come. Now, why do I say this as I wrap up? <clears throat> it's because chapter 9 <laughs> follows chapter 8. The next story is Jesus sending out his disciples. 
chapter 8 was reminding us, followers of Jesus, that Jesus, he's able to, he holds the universe. Jesus, he's, he's, he beats up any demons you got. Jesus, he's able to do more than you can ask or imagine. You need a healing, you need a touch, you need a connection, he's available. And all the disciples, while they're getting annoyed at Jesus, we don't know. He's like, oh, I just want to show you something. I am able. So this morning, maybe you don't have anything big. Maybe some people online, you're like, oh, man, I've been crying out to God. And Jesus now is ready to put his hand down in the pit, lift you up. Jesus is our healer. We should always pray for healing. We should always pray that God would touch our lives because we want to get a hold of Jesus. <laughs> and we want him glorified. And we want to be able to say, and many shall see and hear our songs and put their trust in the Lord. So with that, I want to pray for us. There's so many dimensions to our own lives, things that we're going through right now. Maybe we're fine. Maybe we're, we're having difficulties. Everybody's in a different place. But the one thing that we can all do is fix our eyes on Jesus. And when we get a hold of him, something's going to change. Either we'll be healed or he'll show us that this is only the natural. Let me show you what's in the spiritual realm right now and what I'm doing. And so, Lord, we turn to you right now, Jesus. You're our Savior. You're our healer. You're our friend. Thank you for calling us family members sons and daughters. And as family members, we can come into your presence knowing that we're loved deeply and that we're cared for and that you're working behind the scenes in our lives to accomplish what you want to do in us, through us, and around us. And I pray for those that are struggling right now with a particular thing, maybe in our natural realm, and I thank you that you intersect with the natural just as you calm storms and heal bodies. And Lord, more than anything, I pray that we would emotionally connect to our relationship with you, that we wouldn't come to you just for stuff, even if it's important stuff to us, but that we would come to you because of who you are. We want to know you. We want our faith to be not an idea, but a relationship with you. And so I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a great work in us, and we just need to open our eyes. Thank you that you've already hear, heard our cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that a great story? And it's our story, too.
Well, thank you for letting me share it with you. I, I pray that you would be able to reflect on this through the week as you encounter certain things, uh, that you would know that he's on you. He's got a hold of you. He always does. Okay, well, I'm going to sign off with these guys and we can continue our chat. So thank you very much, those that are joining us online. Uh, thank uh, I pray you'd be encouraged today. Fix your eyes on Jesus and uh, get a hold of him, and he's going to take care of your every need. Have a great day, and we'll see you later. All right, bye-bye.